Hello, and welcome back to the Brennan Book Blog Podcast. I am your host, Kate Brennan, and this is Episode 7, Psychedelic Reads for St. Patty's Day. Since it is the month of the mayhem of Mardi Gras, and St. Patty's Day is notoriously a day of raucous celebration and indiscriminate imbibing, we thought we'd give you an alternative to libation in the form of libration, satisfying picks from the library. So, be ready to have your mind blown by these novels that may just alter your brain chemistry. The Raw Shark Texts by Stephen Hall This book is the reason the category of psychedelic reads was created. The good thing about sharks is that if you are terrified of them, you can avoid living near the shoreline. The bad thing about raw shark text sharks is that they can be anywhere, and they are assembled from renegade vowels, scraps of forgotten paragraphs, and jaggedly formed memories, and they can attack you in your living room. I have never come across anything like the raw shark texts. Reading the book is a little like being intoxicated. Everything makes sense at the time, but reformulating the thoughts the next day? Good luck. The story follows a man who wakes up near drowning in his bedroom, sands water, and doesn't know who he is. Then ensues a thrilling journey of identity, discovery, and maybe love. It's a little as if Stig Larsson had written Memento while on LSD. There are a handful of books I have reread in my life. This is one of them. Stephen Hall created something fantastical and wild in the raw shark texts, and it defies classification. He has opened up the door to another reality. If all the rooms of a mansion were different book genres, fiction, nonfiction, mystery, memoir, the tour guide would accidentally open the door to the room where the raw shark text lives and hastily close it, turning to the crowd with a mixture of anxiety and astonishment and say, I've never seen that room before. Let's not go in there. Move along, please. Then you, straggling at the end of the tour, would tentatively creak the door open and heart-thumping peer inside. It's the only book I can think of that should have a caution might blow your mind sticker on the spine. So whether you are intrigued, frightened, swept away, or confounded by the book, after reading the raw shark texts, you will never look at language the same way again. The Bees by Laylene Paul. It's about bees? Yes, you have to read it. Like real bees? No, it's told from the perspective of a bee. The main character is a bee? Yes. If you had told me that I'd gobble up a novel following the life of a bee, I would have thought you were crazy. I couldn't fathom how a story about fictional insects, or real insects for that matter, could be enthralling. It's possible I was wrong. Paul sets up the hive in the bees like a totalitarian government that is also a cult. Each bee has her place in the hive, and only the queen may lay eggs. 
The bees gather multiple times a day for prayer and are inculcated with hive doctrine while concurrently infused with love from the queen, which acts like some kind of addictive drug. These bees are a step away from drinking the Kool-Aid. We follow the rise of one underdog sanitation bee as she ascends the ranks, and I have to laud Paul on a particularly disturbing section in the book in which this hive mind takes over with dire consequences. They did what? She so blindsided me with bee brutality that I reread the section again just to verify that it happened. Hey, this is one time when you might let yourself be stung. When you're sick, I'll make you tea with honey. Need your back and I will rub your tongue. The First Bad Man by Miranda July. Even when you're grumpy, bears you I lied to Miranda July. I didn't intend to, but there you have it. The First Bad Man was released September 8th, 2015. I read it within 48 hours of release and soon after attended an evening at BAM, featuring writer, actress, filmmaker, app creator extraordinaire Miranda July, interviewed by writer, actress, director, comedian extraordinaire Lena Dunham. Both irreverently funny, unapologetically observant, and quirkily blunt, it was an evening of understated wit and hallmark vulnerability, followed by a book signing by July. Dunham wasn't present at said book signing, so I didn't have the opportunity to lie to her. The aforementioned lie occurred as July signed an edition of No One Belongs Here More Than You to my aunt for her birthday. I mentioned to her that I was going to feature The First Bad Man on my book blog later that week and to look out for it. Then, in the most exacerbated case of procrastination in my life, two and a half years later, I'm still carrying the guilt of falsifying to one of my creative paragons. Today, while trolling my files, attempting to discover if I even started the review, I happened upon the press book for July's film, The Future. Why was this even on my computer? I have no idea. I'd like to think that July has magical creative powers that drop files on your computer when you most need them. In an interview there, she captures my sentiments. She says, I just felt so incapable, barely even human, much less brilliant. So I told myself, okay, right from there. What does incapable sound like? Well, Miranda July, I guess it sounds like this. This whole sordid affair stems from the fact that nothing I pen will encapsulate the ingenuity, the trans-dimensional artistry of the first bad man. It is darkly comical, startlingly salacious, and unavoidably messy. But it is also replete with pathos, with insight, with humanity. The story centers on Cheryl an intransigent 40-something who eats from one plate and uses one glass as she is saddled with the pregnant daughter of her boss, a destructive young woman who throws her whole life into turmoil. I just picked up the book to reread highlighted passages and I found myself laughing out loud. How can I communicate the hilarity that is Cheryl explaining the origin of inter-office rules as based on a series of Japanese customs? or the curious sense of meditation she later discovers while riding an ATV? How can I articulate the risque encounters at the center of the book, tropes emblematic of July's writing that force us all to face our darkest selves? 
The truth is that nothing I write to recommend this book will be enough to truly reflect what's inside its twisty pages. In her writing, July implants thoughts that you yourself didn't know you were capable of entertaining. Her phrases herald a primal reckoning, a stripping away of the constant apology that accompanies being a sexual being, and a melting of the outer shell that protects our most vulnerable parts, leaving what? Whatever is left after all of the layers have been peeled away. The gooey center, the amorphous essence of whatever it means to be human. Thank you for tuning in to Episode 7 of the Brennan Book Blog Podcast, Psychedelic Reads for St. Paddy's Day. I am Daniel Eddie Williams, producing engineer for the podcast. If you miss any episodes, all of Season 1 of the Brennan Book Blog Podcast is available to stream on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Please subscribe and tell your book-loving friends about us. Catch our next episode on April Fool's Day about... What else? Books about fools. If you can't wait to consume more compulsively readable titles, you can check out our Tumblr at brennanbookblog.tumblr.com. Until next time, the Brennan Book Blog encourages you to keep calm and read on. Brennan Book Blog is a faculty feature on WOCU, the official podcast channel of Oklahoma City University's BA Theater and Performance Program. Executive producers are Mark Parker, Brian D. Parsons, and Gregory DeCandia. Brennan Book Blog Episode 7 was written and hosted by Kate Brennan with producing engineer Daniel Eddie Williams. Theme and episode music composed by Kate Brennan. Additional music by Eric John. Find more of his music on SoundCloud by searching Eric-J-O-N. All episodes of Brennan Book Blog are streaming on WOCU.online and available via your favorite podcast streaming service.